The Scotiabank Women Initiative is a signature program designed to increase economic opportunity for individuals who identify as women or non-binary to be successful now and in the future. This unique offering helps women pursue their best professional and financial futures by providing unbiased access to capital and tailored solutions, bespoke specialized education, holistic advisory services, and mentorship. For more information, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. Welcome to the Startup Women Podcast, a show where we connect you, Canada's powerful cohort of women-identifying founders, to real stories and case studies of women-building businesses, supported by true, tactical advice from thought leaders and industry experts. I'm your host, Kayla Isabel, CEO of Startup Canada. Each month, I'll be sharing the mic with one founder and one expert. Together, we will dive into real stories and scenarios and uncover actionable advice for women entrepreneurs across Canada. From funding and hiring to sales and scaling strategies, on this show, we cover the most important topics so you can deconstruct the challenges of starting and running a business with knowledge that goes beyond the surface level. Let's get started. Welcome to the Startup Women Podcast. On the show today, we're thrilled to have Sandra Reimer, a marketing matchmaker. She connects overwhelmed founders with Canadian freelancers to accelerate their success by outsourcing marketing and admin. Through her startup, Co-Labor Nation, Sandra supplies curated freelance talent to founders at Boundless Accelerator and Innovate Niagara. We're also joined by Jasmine Williams. Jasmine is an award-winning writer, content marketing expert, and the founder of Jasmine Williams Media, a content marketing consultancy supporting industry-leading companies and visionaries. She's also the creator behind Freelance Curious, a weekly newsletter for freelance creatives, and Clickworthy Creative Academy, an online freelance mentorship program. Jasmine helps creative entrepreneurs, consultants, and growth stage startups scale their business with strategic content and marketing consulting and coaching. Welcome to the show, Sandra and Jasmine. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Kayla. Thank you. So I'm particularly excited about kicking off uh, this new calendar year talking about the gig economy and looking at freelancers as the future. And you know, this conversation often comes up when we look in the startup community, what it is to actually be an entrepreneur. Um, and so I'm so excited to be exploring this uh, with both of you here today. So Jasmine, I'm going to kick things off with you. Can you tell us a little bit about how you stepped into the world of freelancing? Hint to our listeners, I actually know Jasmine from before this time, so I know part of this answer. Um, but was it something that you always were sort of thinking of, even when you and I were in our undergrad together? Was it something you wanted for yourself or did you stumble into it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a little of both. Like, um, so I come from a very entrepreneurial family. Like, my parents both own their own businesses. I have grandparents who own businesses. So it was something that was kind of always in the back of my mind. Like, even when um, when I was at Carleton studying journalism, I was still um, very excited by the idea of entrepreneurship. I remember even there was like an entrepreneurship 
and journalism class and I was like oh my gosh I have to sign up for that um, so I, I was always kind of thinking about how I could use my skills as a communicator to start my own business um, but it was something that I also kind of fell into because it wasn't necessarily that like I had this goal in mind to be you know, a freelance consultant. Um, I just was always kind of freelance writing on the side between university and as I got into full-time jobs as well. Um, but then when I was in the corporate world, I was just feeling like this isn't for me. Like I just, I couldn't really find my footing. And then it kind of hit me where I was like, oh, I could just do the work I was like, I could do my freelance writing and then also freelance as a content marketing person, which is which were the jobs that I had and kind of mash those things together and turn it into a business. And so that's what I did. And, you know, a little over five years later, you know, shift think businesses shift a little bit. You know, I still like there's certain services I don't really offer anymore. Um, but for the most part, yeah, that's that's the business I continue to run today. Amazing. It's been awesome just seeing this whole evolution, Jasmine. And Jasmine actually supported Startup Canada during peak pandemic times when we needed some additional marketing communication support. So it's been beautiful to see you evolve and um, continue to, to provide such incredible offerings. So huge kudos on everything you've done. You as well. You as well. <laughs> So Sandra, on your end, your work connects small business owners with freelancers, um, which seems like, you know, it would be very energetic intersection and lots of ideas, you know, converging. How did you get into this space? Was it out of necessity? Was it something similar to Jasmine? You were sort of surrounded by this entrepreneurial spirit. Where did it all begin for you? Yeah, it actually started almost 20 years ago with my own freelance journey. So I was working as a community relations coordinator and I got downsized and I'm like, what do I do now? And after I recovered from the shock and disappointment, I said, okay, I'm gonna start a business. So I started a business doing freelance writing and editing. And over the years that really morphed into email marketing, content marketing, writing website content, doing communication strategy, that, that type of thing. And I love the freelance life and I loved it so much that I wanted to help other Canadians figure out how to really thrive in the freelance life. So in August 2020, I launched Co-Labor Nation with help from Boundless Accelerator, which used to be Innovation Guelph. And uh, at first I was starting doing something a little similar to what Jasmine does with her academy. I was offering a little bit of business coaching and resources for freelancers to help them try and figure out how to do business well. Uh, but what when I interviewed freelancers, what they said, yeah, all that's really good, but if you can help me find clients, that's what I really need. And so that got, that got me curious and I thought, okay, well, I understand the freelancers pain point because I know lots of people hate to sell themselves. It's one of the most challenging parts of freelancing. And then I started talking to business owners and I wanted, I was curious, do they have a point, pain point around hiring freelancers? And so when I interviewed them, they did. They, you know, there's tons of freelancers around on the big platforms like Fiverr and Upwork. But as soon as you post a project on there, you get overwhelmed with people wanting to help you. And then the business owners would have to sort through all these portfolios and resumes and proposals, meet with someone and then make it a hiring decision. And it was a lot. And it just kept them like saying, forget it. I'm just going to keep doing it myself. I'm going to keep struggling. And that's when um, I pivoted last fall 
and started offering a marketing matchmaking service where I get between both sides. Um, I vet the freelancers ahead of time and I take requests from owners and founders and then I match them. And this feels like a really great fit for me because I've been a freelancer and I am a startup founder. And um, I really love helping people discover their superpowers and I adore connecting people for mutual benefit. Amazing. I, I mean, the, the idea of matchmaking in so many parts of our lives makes a lot of sense to me, <laughs> but we often get this kind of request of, uh, you know, where do you even find accountants or freelancers or X, you know, subject matter expert or Y subject matter expert? In entrepreneurship, there are so many different skill sets that you are potentially looking for or wanting to even kind of dip your toes into. And freelancers are such a great way to, um, you know, not completely break the bank, hire an entire team of, you know, 100 folks with all this specific expertise. Uh, But I can even see in my day to day life, um, you know, defaulting to people that you know or people in your direct network. And that limits where you could potentially find incredible talent across the country. So I love that you're solving this problem really practically through trusted vetting and having that be a part of the process. But there's a tremendous amount of opportunity. It's a good news story here that we've got incredible freelancers. Yeah. So Jasmine, you've built a mentorship program for freelancers, essentially, you know, a map for them to build a foundation, to meet success. Um, and you call them clickies. Is that that's the term clickies? I love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, the program is called Clickworthy Creative Academy. So Clickies just became a, a bit of a shorthand yeah, for the it. members of the program. I love, <laughs> a cute name. I love that it's like not a formal acronym, but it's got this cute sort of name to it and lots of community built there. Um, how, how are they feeling at the moment? Maybe we'll start there because it's a funky time in the world. I would say it's a deeply... Um, you know, emotional moment, I think that we sit in and in, in kicking off 2024, I think we're leading with a lot of different intentions, but with the world of freelancing, the excitement, the opportunity, also the nervousness and the risk and, you know, all of these things that come into entrepreneurship, even more so when you're freelancing for multiple clients, in multiple spaces. Um, I imagine this could be pretty heavy for your community. So I would love to hear how are people feeling in this space right now? Yeah, it's definitely been a turbulent time. I know a lot of Uh, even experienced freelancers like myself have been having a tough year. And then, yeah, you have people who are just getting their footing and they're kind of coming in at a very, very difficult time. So yeah, it is, it is stressful. Like I know for myself um, being in the, you know, communications writing space, um, generative AI definitely caused a lot of turmoil there. I also worked with a lot of um, companies in the tech space. So they were really hit hard this year. So there's just a lot of kind of like converging factors, I would say that made for um, a a very, I'd say very tricky year. Um, but I've also found that, I mean, probably Sandra, maybe you've noticed this as well, but community has just been so much more important than ever. I feel like I've just really had to lean into my connections and the people who are, you know, around me in my circle and kind of build things back up again. And I mean, that's a big thing that I I touch on in the program of just, you know, you never stop marketing, always keep building, building your personal brand. Like I know that's a, that's a term that some people can kind of like cringe at a little bit, but I do find just like continuing even to talk about the issues I was going through, like through my newsletter and social media, um, was helped me connect to other opportunities. So it's, it's a, it's a difficult time for sure. 
sure. Um, but it's just also one of those times where we, you just have to get really creative and, um, yeah, I mean, it's freelancing. It's, it's, it's not for everybody. Um, but it does, it definitely pushes you and really shows you what you're made of. So I think that's a, that's kind of a big lesson. I feel like a lot of, um, freelancers in, in my community are definitely feeling. It's a really unique type of entrepreneurship. Like it really is almost like a super drive, like, whoa, we're going to just ramp this up, you know, really intensely, but also with incredible benefit that you get the independence, you get, you know, flexibility or opportunity to work with such varied clients, et cetera. Um, it's a really beautiful space, but throw in some economic uncertainty, throw in, you know, tools, all these different things that, yeah, I imagine it, it was probably a really bumpy ride for all entrepreneurs, but particularly freelancers in, in 2023. Sandra, amongst your community, what's the sentiment there? Are people feeling optimistic about 2024? Um, are they still feeling the impacts of um, what Jasmine sort of mentioned in the turbulence of 2023? Where are their heads at? I would agree with Jasmine that it's been a bit of a tough year and people uh, are really looking for how can I get sales? You know, there's sometimes a little bit of desperation, a little bit of fear. And, you know, should I become an employee again? Mm. There's those kind of feelings. But at the same time, they know the benefits of being able to work, doing what they love, what they're really great at and deliver wonderful results on. And I think that's what keeps them committed to the freelance life. Mm, I love that. And I think it's important for us to just ground this conversation with like the practical reality. Like it's not all sunshine and rainbows in this, you know, I'm going to Costa Rica for three months and freelancing and whatever, you know, people's ideas for what that may or may look like um, in these sort of digital nomads. But I think that's helpful to anchor the conversation. And then we're going to go into lots of, you know, resources, how to actually practically begin a journey as a freelancer and getting, you know, both of your perspectives along that path. Um, so my first question is really around the basics. When we're looking at, you know, a new freelancer potentially coming into one of your communities before they actually start working with clients, what are the foundations of this type of business when you're not entirely sure what market you might be serving, um, the demand out there? Um, you know, obviously your competition is quite varied and unique, uh, which would be a part of any, um, you know, research part of, of building a business. Are you starting a website that creates concepts that you may or may not be experimenting with? Um, what would you say are both the, and I'm going to pose this to both of you, are the top three foundations that you could, um, you know, recommend to an aspiring freelancer to really begin on a strong foundation? Jasmine, I'll kick it off with you. Sure, sure. I mean, first off, I would say, you know, like registering your business, kind of getting that out of the way. That's one of the things that I did. Um, you can kind of, you can register as a sole proprietor, as a corporation, like pros and cons to both. Um, but uh, that was definitely something that one of the first things I did. I think the second, arguably maybe the most important thing is just to figure out your finances. And by that, I mean, just thinking through how are you going to get paid? How are you keeping track of expenses and payments? I think a lot of people were just so focused on making money, but then it's like, okay, you get the client and now, now what, right? Like, mm -hmm. how are you, how are they going to pay you? Where's that money going? How are you paying yourself? Um, so take a second to, to figure that stuff out. You don't necessarily need a lot of fancy software. Like there's amazing tools, free tools out there. Um, but yeah, I definitely recommend just either like opening up like a separate bank account just to keep things separate um, and using like an accounting software also to 
just kind of automate things a little bit. I know a lot of people just start by creating like an invoice on like a Google Doc or something, which of course you can do. But as you grow, like manually creating all of those invoices can really slow you down. So that's one thing where I'm like, it's it can be a little bit of that of a, I guess a limiting belief about wanting to invest in in stuff in tools when you're just starting out. Um, but that you know 30, 40 bucks a month, however much it costs, is really going to save you in the end. Um, and then like yeah, there's so many things, but I would say finances and then legal would be my last like third thing of just um, getting a contract. Um, there's some amazing like professional lawyer created contract templates out there. Those are templates that I use in my own business. Um, but you know, I think a lot, like you're saying about sunshine and rainbows, you know, we all like to think everything's going to go well, or like I'm working with my friend or I'm doing it with, uh, you know, my cousin, it's, it's fine. And, you know, things can really, you know, go awry quite quickly. So just having a contract or at the bare minimum, just like having some key things in writing is really important. Um, But that was an investment that um, has absolutely paid off, you know, when you get into those icky situations where you're like, oh, no, like, what do I say? Or I don't know. Just having having that um, in your back pocket is really key. So those would be my three. Amazing. Sandra, what would you have to add? Yeah, I would agree. And I would also say it's really important to know yourself and what you're best at. I like to talk about highest value services, and that's where passion, pay, and performance meet. So what do you just love to do? Because you're designing your own business, you get to design what you're going to work on. And then what can you produce results on? What are you quick at that makes other people look at what you did and say, whoa, that looks like magic? you know, and then pay, what are clients willing to pay for? Just thinking basically, and that will help you generate your services, what you're going to list your services as. And that leads me to the next thing I would say is pretty foundational is having some place that clients can find you online. And that could be a really great LinkedIn profile. If you're not ready to build a full on website, you could use a tool like Canva and they have a feature where you can create a landing page. And that's a really quick way, inexpensive way to get an online property up there where clients can check you out. And then the last thing I would recommend as you're getting started is to really set an annual income goal as a freelancer to think through what do I need and want to earn in a year? And that is a cornerstone for helping you figure out how many hours you need to work in a year, how many weeks per year, and what your hourly rate needs to be so that you can actually earn a proper living. Mm. Yeah, working backwards as like a kind of simple philosophy, like a, <laughs> many sort of forecasts. That, that's helpful because I think so many founders uh, or freelancers, when they're first kicking off, like, what the heck am I going to charge? And if this is my first time doing this, you know, what's the value of my, you know, not that it's a, a the, you know, the first busted pancake that you have when you're making the batter, but how do you navigate that, you know, confidence and, you know, actually putting things out into the world that you're incredibly proud of, but learning on the go. It's, you know, there's so many different feelings around that. Um, and Jasmine, I know when, when you're coaching and, and um, in, 
in your community with freelancers talking about that first client um, and their first experiences in working with their first client. Um, you've created a lot of really great plug and play resources, templates. Like we love not reinventing the wheel when every net new person is coming into this space. Um, but what else would you recommend in that first conversation? Maybe even advice to yourself when you first were kicking off your business. Um, was it reviewing the cost of your products, imposter syndrome, you know, what was going through your head in that first instance that you might be able to learn or that others may be able to learn from? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think definitely those first few clients just try to keep track of, of as much as you can, like how much time things are taking you, what questions people have. Like I do have a lot of plug and play resources, but I always say like, this is me, like, you know, I guess I built some of those like two or three years in now five years in. So it's like, I've have a lot of experience. I kind of know what people are looking for. So yeah, you can use these resources as a bit of a shortcut. Um, but yeah, the first, the first time might be a little bit janky. There might be a lot of back and forth, but the more you can kind of take note of, oh, okay, I thought this would take five hours, but it actually took 10. So I need to charge appropriately. Or like clients are always asking me about this. Like, is there a way that I can, like, I'm big on, I love templates because it just, if I can kind of answer questions before I have to kind of be in my inbox going back and forth, the better. So like, I have like a client guidelines doc that I created, which has like how I like to communicate or how I like to be paid. Um, because yeah, a lot of people are like, oh, I landed the client, but then they still have questions of like, how's this going to go? When am I getting the work? How am I getting the work? Um, so yeah, just trying to keep track of all of those things. I'd say just, you know, ask for feedback as well. Like try to be open and honest. Hopefully I feel like usually um, those first few clients are probably friends or family or people in your circle. So you can, you can be upfront with them and be like, yeah, you know, this, I'm starting a business, you know, I've been doing this for years, but this is my first time doing it on my own. So would welcome any feedback that you have. Um, and yeah, just being transparent about um, how you're going about it. It's, it can, it can go a long way. Cause I feel like a lot of times it can be really scary, especially if you're working on your own and you don't have the support of like a team or a manager. Um, but you know, I always like to think, and I was always tell clients, you know, we're on the same side, right. It's kind of like a relationship. Like we're not trying, I'm not trying to make things worse for you. <laughs> your success is my success. Um, so, you know, things might not go as smoothly as you might plan it to be, but the more you can kind of get ahead of it and be like, okay, this is what's going on, but here's how we can, we can move forward. Um, most people have a lot of respect for that. Mm. So, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. It's not necessarily the problem at hand. It's how, how you confront it and how you build in that transparency and that trust. And that's how you build relationships, right? <laughs> most likely once you've you know gone through some type of fire with someone um, and successfully come out on the other side, they're going to, you know, have really forged more of an intimate relationship with you. Um, and, and there's some strength there for sure. Um, I'd love to flip um, on the founder side. So looking at, um, you know, a lot of our listeners on the Startup Women podcast and the Startup Canada community at large, they are founders that may be wanting to leverage the services of a freelancer. And that dynamic is unique as well, that you're potentially figuring out your own business, what you're offering, and then you're leveraging the expertise of someone else who, you know, also has a, a very different scope. So Sandra, what should founders keep in mind when they're working with freelancers? Um, is there positioning? Is there, you know, helpful kind of conversation starters so that you can both get on the same page when the goals might be changing, you might be experimenting in real time? Like we know entrepreneurship is a little messy. <laughs> um, so what recommendations do you have for founders that are looking to really find that great first freelancer? 
Um, I would re recommend the same thing I said about to freelancers about knowing yourself and what you're best at and your highest value contribution that you, you make to your business as a founder. So if you're really great at sales, free up time to focus on sales. So and you free up time by delegating the things that you're not great at. And I always like to say there's three things, three signs that you should delegate a task. And that's if you procrastinate about it, sitting on your to-do list, rotting. Um, if it drains your energy to do it and just takes a long time. And then if you're not producing great results in that area, those are signs that you should be delegating a task. And when do you think in the dynamic of freelancer and founder, um, mm -hmm. making that obviously very positive and successful, at what point um, do you date around for freelancers? And at what point do you actually establish a relationship? Like when you're talking about matchmaking, how does that process actually yeah. work? Is this the intention that you're anchoring in a few or are you sort of shopping and, and seeing what's out there? Right, for sure. And I think if someone, if a founder requests help from someone like me, who's a matchmaker, I'm doing part of the vetting and sorting work for them. Instead of getting this unsorted, massive amount of requests on one of the big platforms, I send them a curated list of two to three people who I have already looked at, oh, is this person a good fit based on the experience and skills that the founder needs. Plus, I'm looking for values alignment. So something that's a little bit different about the way I do things through Co-Labor Nation is that when I interview freelancers and get them to fill out an application, I ask about their personal and professional interests. I want to know what they're nerdy about. Because I believe that those things that you're super passionate and nerdy about are really great sources of alignment with a founder that allows you to bring extra energy, uh, creativity, and also product and target market knowledge. I'll give you an example. Um, I'm a road cyclist. I love road cycling. I'm geeky about uh, road cycling clothing and all the jerseys and the spandex little shorts and all that <laughs> stuff. So um, I know that target market. So I approached a bicycle shop, my favorite bicycle shop, about doing communication strategy with them. And um, I'm a natural fit and I brought something extra to that relationship because I'm part of their target market. Mm. And so when I am matching founders and freelancers, I'm looking for that extra thing that elevates a match to a perfect fit. Mm. Yeah, I love that. It's, it's sort of the secret sauce of these really, like they're, they're relationships. Like at the end of the day, yes, it's, you know, it's clients, but yeah, it comes down to humans <laughs> at the end of the day and you want to enjoy working with each other. And I think founders should know that um, just because they're working with a gig worker doesn't mean it needs to be a short-term yeah. relationship. Mm -hmm. So some of my own freelance clients, I've worked for 10, 15 years. And every year I can add more and more value because I understand the client and their audience better and better. And when there's that really tight alignment, a freelancer is interested in more business from the same client because it's easier than having to cold call and sell to new clients. And then it's beneficial for the founder because they have this dedicated, committed person who 
is not on their payroll, but is still investing in the success of their business. I love that. And Jasmine, within your community for the freelancers um, that you're chatting to, how are they finding um, these matches? Are they doing it, um, you know, sort of cold calling? Are they finding values alignment through somebody like a Sandra? What's been the process for a lot of them to actually find these clients in the beginning of their business before they have that reputation or, uh, you know, existing inventory? Yeah, I mean, in the beginning, I definitely recommend, you know, reaching out to people in your community, just saying, like, if you or anybody you know is looking for support with something like this, um, joining business communities as well, mm-hmm. like, that was really helpful for me early on in my business, joining um, local, like, co-working spaces or even virtual communities, um, the more niche you can get. So kind of like what Sandra's saying, like, I've joined a couple, like, content marketing groups, like, that are very specific to my industry. So then it's a great way for me to learn about what people in-house are thinking about and what they're planning. And then I can kind of show up as a freelancer and be like, hey, you know, I can I can support with that. I understand your priorities. Um, So, yeah, definitely joining communities is big. Um, You know, I think, yeah, you can definitely do some cold reach out like like LinkedIn is great for that because you can really filter and, you know, see what industries or what businesses Um, just I find with any kind of cold outreach is just taking the time to really personalize it as much as you can. So, you know, read their website, check out their blog, if there's any kind of tidbit that you can say like hey I noticed that you have this or you could even try the like oh I noticed you're missing this like is this something that maybe you'd want to work on um I don't I don't believe in the like negging approach of just kind of saying like this is everything that's wrong with your website (laughs) but hire me and I could fix it it's kind of like oh it's a little little aggressive (laughs) um but I think you can gently point out like hey I noticed you haven't pub like for me as a writer I might say hey I noticed you haven't published on your blog um but you have been up until let's say this point you know is that something you're looking to to you know restart or is that more of a back burner thing approaching from a place of curiosity it's kind of also why I like hold my newsletter to that because I think it's just so important to to be curious to just ask questions I've gotten so many clients just not even intentionally I'll just maybe hop on a like a networking call or a coffee chat and just ask them like what's happening in your world right now like what are, what projects are you working on because I genuinely just want to know it's helpful for me whether I get the sale or not what people in my target market are thinking about what they care about what they're passionate about um, so yeah I think generally the more you can approach things from a place of curiosity people can sense that like people can sense when you come in real hot <laughs> and then they can also they're more receptive when they're like actually I don't think she's really trying to sell me I think she is just genuinely curious so I think this is somebody actually I would want to partner with so yeah th- those are those are my tips I guess <laughs> I love that Jasmine and I agree just being a genuine human being interested in other people and what they're up to and then if it makes sense telling them how you could help them right? It's not um, a slick sales job that where you're trying to sell them something, you're telling them how you can help them and there's money attached. I, yeah, I love coming back to Jasmine's comment. Like we both have the same goal here. Like you're both aligning to the same direction. I've never thought about it that way. That's a great kind of alignment. Um, Sandra, have you seen any other um, secret sauces <laughs> to what makes a really great match between founder and uh, and freelancer. Any any case studies that kind of pop up in your mind being like, that was really special because of X, Y, Z. I think um, when there is just a personal affinity where you feel like just somebody's working style and who they are as a person 
just fits with who you are and and you can find that kind of thing like uh, to Jasmine's point about joining groups I'm always watching for people that I resonate with so for example somebody contributing in the chat maybe I find them funny or when they speak it's like oh wow I love what they're talking about and you're just looking for synergy I think that makes for a really great partnership whenever you can find that between founder and freelancer mm, amazing so we we covered this a little bit at the beginning of you know the turbulence of 2023 and all of these myriad market spaces um and jasmine you shared that you know it was a challenging year for for both yourself and and many um of your kind of extended colleagues i think of them as colleagues um can you share a little bit more when you know things that are completely out of your control deeply impact your business like like the shift in tech um, obviously, that would have a huge consequence on budgets and hiring freelancers and, and even having the best nurtured relationship. Uh, there are some variables that we can't control and in these sort of like macroeconomic standpoints. Um, can you walk us through, you know, what it's like to actually lose a client for potentially not a reason that you had anything to do with um, and how you've navigated that road in either finding that new clients, waiting things out, knowing where to really make that next right step? Mm hmm. I mean, absolutely. It's 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 it can be quite emotional. Um, and it's it's tough too, especially with some clients that I had for a while where you're like, you can kind of see the writing on the wall, you can see that things are maybe they're having layoffs, and you're kind of hoping you're not going to be affected by it. Um, but it happens. I mean, with any sort of situation, I just try to be as as graceful as possible. Um, so, you know, I always appreciate when just being like, oh, thanks for letting me know. Um, I, in my situation, I I just kind of had to go back to the drawing board a little bit, you know? Like I, I talked to some friends, I kind of asked around and, and saw what was out there. Um, I took on some assignments that I might not have taken on, um, but it's also something that I even tell people in my mentorship program. Like I talk a lot about niching and, you know, of course it's important. I'm sure Sandra, you know this as well. It's important to kind of have a focus area. Um, but I think too, sometimes it's okay to just, to take on things that might be outside of that focus area, just if you're, if you're drawn to it. And especially during times like these, um, when, you know, things can be a little uncertain. So yeah, this is definitely the year where I kind of opened myself up to working in different ways. Um, like just partnering with other freelancers on projects, um, working with clients in different industries that I just haven't had experience in. Um, but I, I think too, I'm what I have been fortunate with and, I think it's a good reminder for anybody is that like the work you put in to get you to wherever you have gotten to, even if you've experienced a setback, like losing a client, it doesn't mean that all of that work gets canceled mm, out. <laughs> and that was something I kind of had to remind myself of as well. When things started picking up again, I was like, wow, this is, this is great. But then it's a reminder. I'm like, well, I've been, I've been doing the work for a long time. So Fortunately, when people are able to have their budgets up and they're looking for people, I'm still being recommended and still being referred and still have people saying my name in rooms that I'm not in. Um, so, yeah, it's just the power of just continuing to market and build those connections and, you know, be curious, uh, even when it feels sometimes like, yeah, there's definitely times where I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm sending out proposals and nobody's biting it. It really um, entrepreneurship, freelancing, like it really pushes you and it really makes you have to dig deep in terms of that self-trust and that self-belief. Um, but yeah, just it's, there's a reason that these kind of essential marketing activities work, like they're, they're tried and true. 
you just kind of have to to keep to keep at it and eventually you will start to see that things things will get better yeah, yeah. <laughs> would you have considered doing anything differently like now reflecting on on the last year is there something you would have done faster or maybe a limiting belief you would have thrown out sooner like is there anything you would have changed that's a great question um I think I would have maybe panicked a little bit less <laughs> and tried to see, like even had people telling me like, you know, enjoy the break. Like you'll, I'm sure things will pick up soon. And, um, but I, I found it hard, especially having been so fortunate to be pretty much, you know, booked and busy for the last four years um, to get to a point when things were kind of falling off. It definitely made me think like, oh gosh, like, is this the end? Like, should I change industries or do something else? Um, so yeah, I think I probably would have just told myself to panic a little bit less, um, take my own advice. Like I was marketing, but I did kind of pull back a little bit because I felt, you know, oh gosh, I don't feel like this is working anymore. Um, so, and it can be definitely hard when you're marketing and posting and whatever, and it feels like you're kind of shouting into a void. Uh, but yeah, I would tell myself that it's like, just, just stay the course a little bit and, and things will get better yeah. for sure. Well, and I think so many founders, especially in the last like three, four years that there was all of this anticipation, then COVID hit, then, you know, all these businesses were pivoting, then things were coming back and then it was the repivot and just almost this ping ponging and, and losing this sort of unshakable confidence in yourself throughout all of that feeling like, where do I actually land? moving forward and then throw in, you know, continued interest rates, high, you know, cost of living and, and, you know, just operating your businesses. And just, there's been such a, both a, a lingering impact of the pandemic and then this deluge of additional variables that it's a really challenging time to enter into entrepreneurship and not have the stability. Yes. I love seeing these businesses start. And, you know, obviously this is something that's super passionate uh, but it, it is really demanding when variables around you impact your business and you're doing the best possible work you can. And sometimes, you know, there are factors that are just out of your control. And um, to your point, like hunkering down, really rooting in yourself and moving forward, that's a skill set and a grit that entrepreneurs have more than anybody else, which is really, really commendable. Um, Sandra, have you seen, you know, other shifts or folks also feeling this kind of frustration or um, you know, wishing that they'd maybe tried a different approach when they've seen clients move around or see different, um, you know, areas of turbulence across various industries or just in the world at large. What have you seen with some of your clients? Yeah, I think, um, you know, when there's a lot of turbulence, I agree with Jasmine that you need to keep marketing. And what your point earlier, you talked about going back to your community and leaning into your community to protect your mental health. Because when you're selling, uh, whether you're a founder or a freelancer, there's an element of putting yourself out there. And when things aren't going well, it's really hard to do that. So you need to be intentional about taking care of your mental health. And I think as a freelancer, one way to counteract um, clients falling away is to really dig in and think from the client's perspective about how you can solve their greatest pain point. So whatever their current pain point is, I like to get in and be creative and actively go to the client and say, hey, you know, I noticed this um, resource here where you might be able to get some money. So for example, there is the Canada Digital Adoption Plan grant where 
Yeah, CDAP, where founders who are have a annual income of five hundred thousand or more can access uh, a plan, a free plan. Well, it ends up being almost free for them of worth about fifteen thousand dollars. That's the grant, and then they can access an interest-free loan of up to a hundred thousand dollars. So eligible businesses, I might go to them as a freelancer and say, "Hey, I will be with you if you're a writer. I'll be with you and I'll." Um, help you with this. I'll help you connect with an advisor. And then when they're ready to spend that 100000 that they have access to, you know, you're lining up saying, here's a proposal aligned with their greatest business pain. And that's a way where you again, show them I'm on your team, like you were saying, Jasmine, Jasmine, that we are headed for the same goal and I'm on your team, and this is proof because I'm proactively looking to bring you resources and to solve your problems. Yeah. Yeah. I love what you said there, Sandra, because that's something too, especially for me. Like, I work with a lot of freelance creatives specifically. And I think that that shift of like not just providing a creative service, but solving a problem, like, that's a big thing that I, I try to tell people very early on in the mentorship program is that like the more that you can think about how your service solves a problem, the more valuable you are to to your client. You know, it's not just about, you know, making a website look pretty. It's, you know, helping you build trust with a client or just appearing more professional. Um, you know, I since just redesigning my website has changed how people um, respond to me or reach out to me. So yeah, I think like, like you said, Sandra, like the more you can really think creatively and think, you know, okay, this, yeah, maybe I'm a, you know, podcast producer, or maybe I'm this, or maybe I'm that, but like, how am I actually solving a problem? Like, how can, how can I connect what I do to revenue or just easing stress or easing some kind of pain point? Um, yeah, the more valuable you'll be. And that's huge when it comes to sustain, like building a sustainable business, the more you can really show your client that you are a partner and that you are really like adding to their success. For sure. And when I'm vetting freelancers, that's something I'm looking for is people who have that bigger picture mindset. I always ask, how do you track results? How do you communicate results? And like, how do you tell your clients what you're doing for them? Because that is critical. Like you said, Jasmine, that you can just do a task and create a pretty website, but that's not enough. Yeah, it has to be connected to revenue yeah, for the connected founder. to some business results. We all love to see that. <laughs> Definitely drives the value um, and the credibility. You know, often you know, I think it, it discredits folks in some of these spaces when we think of it being one concrete tactic that lives independently. It does drive the overall success of a business and revenue, and you know, recruiting team members to build the best performing teams. Like, there's so many different linkages um, that can be made, and we need that business sort of savvy and that key messaging to really make that connection in that business case. Jasmine, on the um, on the amount of time and energy that you're also spending, both nurturing relationships and prospecting, how do you find that balance um, to make sure that you're both planning for the short term and for your long term success? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest or one of those mindset shifts that a lot of newer freelancers need to make is just the idea that you're not spending all of your time just delivering mm. the work. Like, it's usually about half, I would say, just to, for easy math. It's like half is actually spent on the client work and the other half is spent on like admin, marketing, sales, like all the things that help you get the work and manage the work. So 
yeah, time management is really key, like just carving out enough time for yourself to do those things. Um, Because that's, I feel like what sets people back is they're just like, I don't have the time. And it's like, well, have you actually factored in the time to do it? Um, So that's, that's a big thing. And yeah, the more you can kind of make it automatic for yourself like maybe it's um like for me I've kind of I have now like some like I focus on my Instagram and like my newsletter those are kind of my key ways to market myself and just keep it keep myself top of mind uh with uh people in my community so I think if you can figure out what channels make the most sense to you and really commit to doing something on a regular basis um then yeah that's how you kind of build that brand and can really help start attracting clients to you because that's my I feel like that's the best approach to do it versus having to rely so heavily on prospecting and outreach like the more you can really make yourself um almost like a thought Mm -hmm. leader in your space and just become um like the go-to person for x and big part of that is communication so yeah I would say just it's it really comes down to time management and really thinking kind of what Sandra said earlier about like um like what are you really good at like what do you really want to focus on and like what is the thing you can talk about ad nauseum like that's what you can really build your marketing around oh then that consistency that you're there's that cadence that you know you have you know a regular flow of communication and that helps you become very top of mind to folks when they're thinking of somebody to reach out to um and uh, i love that that notation around balancing your time your energy, the flow, uh, but these administrative elements, like it's a substantial part of building so many businesses that often founders are like, I'm going to deal with the legal later. I'm going to deal with this part later. And that often bites you in the butt in a very significant way. So spending that time when you're setting up your business, getting you know foundational contracts, building your business, incorporating properly. Um, I can't stress that enough. And especially entering into these um, more precarious work environments as well. You want to make sure you're protected. Like there is, you know, a huge consideration there as well when it comes to potential IP or intellectual property that you might be creating. How are you protecting yourself uh, when you're potentially chatting with so many various folks and making sure you you have whatever is going to equip you to be more confident in those spaces? Because uh, I've seen that go sideways as well. Along the continuum of of founderdom <laughs> on the entrepreneurship journey path, how can freelancers support founders at all of these different junctures as well? Because this sort of evolution within entrepreneurship is something that's definitely not going anywhere. If anything, we're going to see even more of this in 2024. How can freelancers support at those different milestones or juncture points for founders? Yeah. So when founders are first uh, starting their businesses, they have this awesome idea and they think everyone's going to love this. They want to build a solution, but then they have the hard challenge of finding customers. And at that stage of the business, when everything's still super messy, they the struggle is to quickly and concisely communicate the value of what they're offering to customers. And I think that's where you could hire a freelance copywriter. I know um, when I started Co-Labor Nation, I struggled to describe exactly what it is concisely, You're, even though I am a writer. And you just get overwhelmed. You live and breathe this startup. And so you struggle to communicate clearly. And having an outset, outside pair of eyes uh, who can write that for you is really valuable. Now, when a startup founder is just beginning, 
I wouldn't blow a huge wad of money on marketing just yet because you really need to find your early adopters. And that's why I would really work on clarifying that value proposition. And maybe you have your DIY website to begin with, which is just fine. But then when you start, the machine starts rolling, you're getting the momentum and you're getting traction. That's when it's a great time to hire freelancers again. You're done with DIY, but you're not quite ready to hire a bunch of staff or a marketing agency. And this is where freelancers can help build a better website. Maybe it's the second iteration. They could go through and really clean up your brand, sharpen it up, help you know who your ideal clients are and to get more of them through email marketing, content marketing. And this is when you want to put a little gas on the fire. And this is when at the time I would spend a little more money is when you're between, you've got your early adopters, but you don't have product market fit yet. And um, a ton of clients that's going to make that business viable. So what, where have you found, Jasmine, the, the best milestone or, or sort of this juiciest sweet spot where you've been introduced to a client um, that, and that's the right moment for you to be offering services? At what stage of that entrepreneur continuum? Mm, yeah. So for me, it's I do like to work with people who aren't totally early stage. Just I think it, it kind of comes down to figuring out what what you're good at, right? And and what works makes sense for you and what who you make sense for so for me I've kind of my sweet spot especially as a writer is helping um, people with like more technical offerings um, communicate that to their audience so I don't always work with more like traditional kind of brick and mortar businesses though I am starting to kind of branch out so you know 2023 or 2024 I guess the year of um, (laughs) trying new things but um but yeah I think I always like to work with people who have at least um, have figured out like their business model. You know, they know who they are, who they do it for, how they do it well, like unique value proposition, like those kinds of things. I find if I if somebody can't quite communicate that, or if I send them like I have a client homework sheet that I send people, and if they can't fill that out, then that's usually a sign that you're not ready to work together. Um, but but at the same time, I would say like. Sometimes the clients that have worked out the best are the ones who are are hungry. Like I might tell them, okay, this is what I need. Um, and then kind of being able to work as like a bit of a coach and a consultant um, has sometimes worked well, but it, it, it really goes, it, it's kind of the personality type of the, of the client. Um, but, but yeah, I would say like, I feel like every freelancer kind of goes through this point where you're like, at first you might work with people who are really early on and then you realize that that can be a little bit of a headache. Um, so yeah, that kind of growth stage when they're not quite ready to hire somebody, but they do need somebody regularly. Like that's, that's usually a good, a good fit. I'd say for me, myself, and probably for a lot of freelancers. It's a bit of like a Goldilocks kind of situation as well, that when you're too early, both of you are not really set up for success because you're not sure what you know, the, the founder doesn't necessarily know what they need, what they want, what they're you know going to seek support on. And then too late in that process, things are kind of anchored down. If they've like printed, you know, marketing materials with a particular brand and they're asking you to come in and change it, you might not be success sort of set up for success in that right moment. Finding that sweet spot in the growth, the, the, you know, the, the mold is kind of solidifying a little bit more. You've still got some room to play, but clarity and at least what that foundation is that you're both aligning to. Um, cause on the personal side as well, I can imagine that that also feels, 
um, potentially stressful when there's not something anchoring both parties in the conversation uh, and potentially a vulnerability there that that becomes a freelancer's fault and not necessarily a direction from founder, right? Um, have you ever seen that happen before? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say like, yeah, definitely being organized. Like I love, like, yeah, I'd say there's a good sweet spot is if they have something like if they have a website but it's maybe not what they love but they have something like there's some sort of jumping off point when people come to me when they're still kind of in that idea stage it's really really it's really tough because it also means that they haven't actually really proven the concept kind of what Sandra was talking about of like are people actually going to buy this you know and then it's just this I hate that stress of like okay you're paying me a lot of money but like we don't even really know if this is going to work like that's 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 a lot um so yeah I would say definitely trying to be as organized as you can but then it's that mixture of organization plus transparency because like when I work with a startup I also know what I'm getting into as well and sometimes that can be a little bit fun um but yeah I like when people can just kind of be like for me as specific I can speak as a writer if they're like okay we don't have a style guide yet but this is what we are working with or we don't have this but this is what we've got um you know so then it allows me to be like okay well I need a little bit more before I could get started or I could be like you know yeah maybe I can work with that I might just need to adjust my services a little bit to fill in the gaps um but yeah it's just being being honest being upfront and being as organized as you can um with and I think the the right kind of person will or or any like it's kind of also up to the freelancer to decide what they they want to work with like I definitely there's pros and cons, I think, to both sides. Like if somebody's really early stage, then that can be a bit messy, but they're, it's creative and collaborative. If they're a little bit further along and they have very clear processes, then you can start to feel like just sort of like painting by numbers kind of thing. Like you're you're doing a job, but you're not really involved in the, the development of things. So it kind of just depends too on the freelancer and what, and what they like to do and where they yeah, like know thyself. If you're not someone who does well with that ambiguity, that might not be the client for you versus, you know, if that's something that really excites you and motivates you in your gut, then let's lean into that kind of energy. Have you seen that in your experience, Sandra? Yeah, I would totally agree with that. Going back to knowing yourself as a founder and freelancers knowing themselves. And um, one of the things I like to recommend to get to know yourself is assessments. Like, strengths assessments that help you get some objective knowledge about yourself. So two of my favorites are Clifton Strengths and one called Working Genius. Working Genius is the new uh, personality assessment that I'm really jazzed about it because it's really specific to a work setting and it identifies six working geniuses that help you identify where you contribute best in a project. So the first two geniuses are wonder and invention. And somebody with the genius of wonder is good at generating lots of ideas and just pushing the boundaries and coming up with completely new things. And then the next genius down is invention. And those people are good at coming up with novel solutions. So they might hear the... um, person with the wonder gift their ideas and say okay I know how we could make that actionable and they can create a map and then the next two geniuses are discernment and galvanizing and your people with the genius of discernment 
they know instinctively what's a good idea. They hear the brainstorming happening. They grab the things out of the air and say, yes, this is what we should put our energy behind. And then your galvanizers, they're the cheerleaders who get other people on board. And then the final two geniuses are enablement and tenacity. And people with the genius of enablement, they're like, how can I help? Put me to work. And they just are good, like an executive assistant. They see the plan and they uh, know exactly how to put it into action. And then the last one is tenacity. And those are the people who bring things across the finish line. Very cool. Oh, I love that framework. That's And, and we'll have all of these resources listed um, in the Startup Woman podcast uh, description. So we'll definitely pop that in there. Um, so thanks for sharing that, Sandra. Yeah, for sure. And just as an example of how I use the assessment for myself to hire people and to know what I need. Uh, so if my geniuses are invention and discernment. So I'm good at coming up novel solutions and then knowing what's a good idea. And I have lots of energy at the beginning of a project. I probably have that in common with lots of founders who are visionaries and just like to see things start. But then I start to get um, my energy wanes when bringing a project across the finish line. So when I hire a freelance virtual assistant for Co-Labor Nation, I have them take the working genius assessment and I'm looking for someone with enablement or tenacity. And that's something I recommend when founders are hiring freelancers. Yes, interview them. Yes, look at their portfolios and their websites. But if you can, spend a little money. It's 30 bucks for this assessment and get some objective data on what kind of person you're getting. Very cool. Interesting. Uh, so wrapping around this conversation and just what the future of freelancing might look like, I'm really curious to hear both of your thoughts. Like, do you think freelancing is the future of the world? You know, we've got data suggesting the gig economy is really transforming the way that we do work. And, uh, you know, especially with things like returning back to the office and people's appetites for either doing that or not. Um, how do you think that freelancers will continue to work with entrepreneurs, with small businesses? What do you think is the future of freelancing? Jasmine, what do you think first? Yeah, I mean, I think it's now and I think it is the future as well. You know, I think I think we're definitely going to see or continue to see more people working outside of this nine to five traditional framework. You'll probably see more people um, opting for part time jobs with freelance contracts instead of free, like full time contracts or if they have a full time contracts, maybe still doing some freelancing on the side. I know for myself, like it's like working flexibly just works for my brain, you know, it allows me to constantly be challenged and trying new things. And anytime, like I've worked just with one person, I just start to get a little bit antsy. Like I love um, being able to work on different projects and with different people. And I love too, the way those, those things can really inform each other as well. I think something too, I'd love to see more in the future is, as maybe more employers being okay with, you know, hiring somebody part-time who also freelances on the side. I think there's always been this sort of like either fre freelancing is like a stopgap measure that you do in between jobs or, you know, once you have a job, you're, you just, that's your job and you don't have anything on the side. Um, but I think, you know, we see this like with the creator economy too, like there's just more people doing things and building their own brands and building their own content. And I think, um, 
I hope to see maybe more employers seeing that as an asset versus a detriment, um, thinking about how they can maybe bring what they're building into, you know, to supporting the company and vice versa. Like I've been fortunate to um, currently have a couple of contracts where I'm able to do that, where I'm able to leverage um, like some of the supporter people in that team to like support with other things I have and vice versa. And because it's all above board, um, it's great. Like, I don't feel like I have to hide anything or that I'm doing anything that feels, you know, a little bit sketchy. Um, just everybody's really respectful of the fact that like, we've got other things going on, but as long as the work gets done and it gets done well, then, you know, it doesn't really matter exactly how it gets done. So that's something I would love to see is just seeing more employers being, you know, yeah, this is the job. This is what we need you to get done. But outside of that, like your life is your life. (laughs) So play. Yeah. Like we all need more play. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And I have to say on the other side as someone who runs a nonprofit, like I love working with freelancers, not just because they're necessarily, you know, great subject matter experts. They bring a wealth of experience working for so many other great organizations that I then get to directly benefit from without having to go myself and work at all these different places and, and get that um, get that intel. So that diversity of perspective, that extreme diversity of experience, like that is something that most traditional employees won't bring into your organization. Um, and uh, to the point of focusing on results, it's also great to have that balance of you know teams that you're nurturing and investing in, et cetera, and then also having these great trusted freelancers that you know are going to support you with a critical part of your business, and you know that that um, you're going to get that support. Uh, so I will give a raging, raving, r- raging review, raving review of the freelance community as well that we've had the privilege of working with at Startup Canada. So final thoughts, words of advice, words of caution, whatever you want to end today's episodes with. Sandra, bring us home. I would say as a founder, do what you're best at that adds the most value to your business and delegate the rest through either hiring staff or freelancers. And if you're going to hire freelancers, talk to me at Colibra Nation. There you go. Love the pitch. Jasmine. I would say just for both freelancers and founders to to lead with empathy, you know, and really focus on cultivating that relationship. Like my most successful, fruitful partnerships have always been with people who are, are understanding, who communicate, you know, and, you know, sometimes I think with freelancing, there can be a bit of this like out of sight, out of mind that can happen a little bit. Um, but yeah, the more that you can really, you don't necessarily have to treat freelancers like completely like they're part of the team. Um, but the more that you can bring them in and just show them that you care about them as, as people, as well-rounded people, um, doing your best to set them up for success as well. Um, I think that's, that's, that's really key. I totally agree. Yeah. We, we bring in our freelancers into a lot of like our team meetings to align on various prayers that they have organizational context. They're on Slack with us as well. Like we do try to, you know, bring them in and that's worked really beautifully that then we just also talk the water cooler stuff. You're like, Hey, what's going on in your life? <laughs> I know they appreciate that because freelancing can be lonely and it makes them, it makes us really feel like they're a true part of the team and know what's going on. Um, to the extent that it makes sense that they don't need to know every single fabric of, of what's going on in the entire company. Um, but yeah, lead with empathy. And, and you know, these are incredible humans that we have a privilege um, and pleasure to work with. So being grateful for that support is key as well. Amazing. 
Thank you so much, Jasmine. Thank you so much, Sandra. This was an amazing conversation kicking off 2024. Uh, we know it's been a pretty wild last couple of months, years. It feels like even longer than that. Uh, but hopefully, founders, you're entering into this new year with some great resources, uh, lots of practical takeaways from this episode, and uh, hopefully a, a new spring in your step to set yourself up if you're looking to explore freelancing. Thanks, everyone. Thanks a lot, Kayla. Thank you so much for joining us on the Startup Women podcast, where we are committed to telling the stories of women entrepreneurs and uncovering actionable advice that goes beyond the surface level. The Startup Women podcast is produced by Lauren Hicks and Maddie Stiles. Visit startupcan.ca to explore the Startup Women flagship program and access advisory support and free resources. Be sure to check out the show notes to access important links, resources, and information that we mentioned during today's episode. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to another episode next month.